0: This is Sean Lil from Ring General Radio, and you're listening to the 4-D Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to a one-pint stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast brought to you by the 4-D Podcast Network. This show is all about talking beer, and hopefully you'll still respect us in the morning. So grab a cold one and don't go anywhere. The show starts now. Welcome to another episode of a one pint stand. My name is Dan Bobian and I'm your host for this podcast about beer. This is our first episode of 2020, so happy new year to everyone. Hopefully your winter holiday season was great and you're ready for some engaging and fun beer talk because we've got a doozy for you folks. I decided what better way to kick off 2020 than sit down with the minds behind the madness at Headflyer Brewing Company. So last week, I went over there and Neil, Nate, and Sean and myself sat down, had a few beers, and talked about 2019, the, the year that was. We looked into our crystal balls or gazed longingly into our goblets of stout and tried to predict what was going to be happening in 2020. And just had an overall fun beer conversation about some of the awesome things they're doing at Headflyer and some of the fun things that are happening in the state of Minnesota regarding craft beer. It was a great time, and we drank some great Headflyer beers. So here's the interview. Prost. Okay, welcome to another episode of a one-pint stand. We're on location here in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Head Flyer Brewing Company. Well, one of the, one of the several breweries that is easily accessible on my route home if I decide <laughs> 94 sucks. So uh, before we start, I'm Dan Bobian, host of a one-pint stand, and uh, these... Three burly bearded gentlemen before me are the the minds behind the madness here at Headflyer Brewing Company. So, if we could real quick, let's go around the circle and uh go ahead introduce yourself and tell me the 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 beer that got you interested in craft.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm uh, Neil Miller, I'm the head of beer at Headflyer Brewing. Um I think the obviously the first one that really got me going was Surly Furious. Um, Maybe we can go even back farther than that to Summit EPA
3: and uh, taking care of a lot of those during my college years. Excellent. Hi, Nate Larson, uh, the official beard of the company, with uh, you know stylings that nobody else has. I'm also I take care of a lot of the operations here, and uh, I think the beer was Dragon's Milk that actually got me going. Uh, I'm a barrel aged guy bourbon whiskey as well so that's something that uh, Banff was modeled after and we love it.
1: Okay Banff. We're going to get into that later because I think my <laughs> nips are still hard from the first time I tried that one so we'll delve into that one uh, in a little bit. Last but certainly certainly not least we have Hey Mr. I'm Sean. Sean.
0: I'm, a, I'm a lead brewer here. Uh, I started just this last May. Uh, my beer that got me into it believe it or not is Bell's Too Hearted uh, it's a kind of a one of those, and furious too, like just kind of a harsh jump into craft beer, like people usually start with around here, like a lineys or some summit EPA or something, a little lighter. But I just went all in on
2: bells too hard, and it, I was hooked immediately. Had a couple of those this weekend, so I agree. I can I can see how how bells would would hook you in. It's it's such a
1: perfect beer. Although I remember the first time I had it, I was like. Oh my god! They put liquid look at sandpaper in here. It was so like aggressive because I my palate wasn't used to hops. And right. now oh just uh actually the third autumn brew review I went to was I think in twenty twelve and Northern Brewer had a stand there and they were doing this thing where like if you if you ate a hop, you could get, you got a free t-shirt and a pint glass and I'm like oh I can do that that'll be easy and uh it dries your mouth out so bad that was such a dumb idea I mean I still have the shirt the shirt is a great shirt Uh, well worth it then I don't I think the pint glass broke shortly thereafter but yeah you're right it was just I was my it's like I you know went went down on a on a Christmas tree it was it was awful it was awful so uh so Head Flyer Brewing Company you guys have been around since April of 2017 Give us the quick little walk down memory lane. Tell us about how Head Flyer came to be, um, what you envisioned when you, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm guessing, probably the ideas probably came because, you know, you had some beers one night and you're like, hey, you know, we're into beer, let's do our own thing. So I want to hear about how Head Flyer came to be and specifically how you settled on this location. I think it's a great location it's a perfect building. If you haven't been down here, we're in the Miller Textile Building, um,
2: kind of like. Is this considered Northeast? Yep, this is yep. kind of the the southwest corner of Northeast. Okay,
1: okay. A Beltrami neighborhood. Okay, so. the Beltrami neighborhood. Okay, so yeah, tell tell us for those who are not familiar, give us the the tale of Head Flyer.
3: I might start a little. bit. with, uh, with uh, so Neil and I had a corporate gig together, and. Uh, I was the recipient of many really tasty growlers, and he would bring them in, and I was the critic, and still to this day probably am, and both Neil <laughs> and Sean could attest to that. And um, one day, we're at a happy hour, and over a little bit of drunk talk. Maybe many beers. <laughs> said, hey, we, we want to get a brewery going. Should we do this? And then the next morning, after sobered up a little bit, he asked again, and I said, "I think i 'm still in, so that was a good thing i 'll let Neil go a little bit on his yeah, perspective?
2: Yeah, I think definitely it was you know getting getting really into craft beer uh, as consumers, and uh, as a home brewer i 'd home brewed for about eight years, and like Nate said, you know I shared a lot of them with him. I uh, really started out in my garage and just you know, enjoying, enjoying being part of it and not really with the intention of doing anything other than having a sweet setup in my garage and enjoying drinking beer with my friends. So um, kind of came from that, and, you know, the more we got into it and the more we enjoyed from it, we said, you know, hey, this is something we're super passionate about. We want to find a way to um, find our own place and to be able to make kind of our own legacy in the craft beer world here in Minneapolis.
1: Oh, I think it's excellent. I know that... Um uh, Eric Wentling, who often is my co-host uh, for the podcast, he's down in Disney World right now with his wife. I saw an Instagram photo of him holding a lightsaber. I don't know if he's been detained. I don't know what <laughs> if that was like, if he got some bad acid or what happened. But um, so he came and did a story not too long after you all opened, and he was quite impressed with the beers. And he has this whole thing where like he usually likes to wait six months before he reviews a place to let them work out the kinks and what not but um, he was, he's like this place didn't need six months uh, they had, I think he was here in the winter time, had a couple of your IPAs, some of your darker beers he's like, oh, this brewery kind of checks all the boxes so um, I think you guys came out of the gate firing pretty well um, and I think that's probably a credit both to the passion of you two and, and, and the, um, the years of home brewing and perfecting recipes. Uh, once you decided you wanted to open up a brewery, how did you pick this specific location?
2: Well, we, we definitely looked at a lot of places. We explored, you know, the Southwest area, South Minneapolis. We were looking in a lot of different places, trying to find something that really spoke to us and, and really, we could create some sort of community. And I think that's one of the things I really respect about a lot of the breweries in, in, you know out of the metro area and in places like that where you become kind of the town brewery and that's kind of what we were looking for and you know when we came across this space at the Miller textile building we just fell in love immediately it, it was nowhere near what it is today it was dark and dingy but you know just some of the features that were here when we got here are just amazing um, and we we kind of knew right then that this was our spot even though we you know we could we couldn't really walk around and when we got into the brew house room um, the floor was sloped like a skate a skate park and we were a little, we got some vertigo. We're just walking around in there. But, you know, somehow it really resonated with us. I mean, part for me is just, you know, kind of seeing my last name on the side of the building. It felt like there was a little bit, bit of fate going on there. So um, we, we just really kind of felt like, hey, this was our space and, and knew we could kind of create what we, we wanted to do here.
1: Okay. So you've got, for, the, for those of you who never have been in the tap room, it's kind of like industrial meets, like, chic. I like the the art on the walls. It's very modern. But then you've got, like, you know, you walk in from the parking lot and you've got, um, you know, wooden floors that have definitely seen some things, the exposed brick, Um, yet it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, uh, like, uh, un- un unfriendly uh, yeah. it doesn't feel harsh doesn't feel like there's like sharp edges so was that on purpose or how did you how did you come upon the design for the tap room
2: yeah we really worked with uh a couple different people to kind of make make that our reality but for us that you know that's kind of our style you know we, we like to be kind of clean and modern but at the same time there's such great features here that we didn't want to take away from that so really our design philosophy was take all the great things are here and and don't mess them up you know kind of emphasize them and keep them there but at the same time add some of those modern touches you know kind of the bright white the tile the fireplace was really a big one for us because we thought that that added a level of coziness so that you could kind of come in and feel really comfortable and, and kind of take away from some of the hard surfaces that we have in here um, so it's kind of a balance of those types of things to really get it to a place where um, it it really had what we loved about it but at the same time you know we kind of added that modern touch to make it what we wanted it to be
3: yeah yeah we definitely wanted it to be a like a warm gathering place and Uh, just a comfortable unpretentious place that you'd want to come and enjoy some beers and that was the big thing Uh, even our tables so you talk about the floors and stuff these were the original floorboards from the building and Neil and I spent lots of hours pulling big ass nails out of these things I think we Uh, broke three hammers (laughs) and then uh, yeah we uh, replaned them and and, uh, we personally put these tables together so it's a uh, you know, as we're waiting for everything else to go, it gave us it kept our hands busy, so we okay. were never idle.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good because uh, you know you want your hands to be busy when you're in a brewery, or else bad things happen. <laughs> so, Head Flyer, where
2: did the name come from? So the name, the name was was very challenging. You know, as we tried to come up with different names, we would look and find some obscure winery in California that already used our great, you know, unique idea that we had come up with. So um, my wife and I were actually driving up, up to our uh, cottage in Wisconsin and, and brainstorming names the entire four-and-a-half-hour drive. And um, as we got just about up there, we came across a, a sign that said Head Flyer Lake Lane and you know she kind of said hey head flyer that's got a ring to it and we kind of noodled around with it for a while and we thought oh yeah that's really got a nice thing it's unique Um, but it also has it it really speaks to brewing a lot you know taking a flyer you know doing something crazy and that's really what we were all about we were kind of making a leap from you know being in corporate america and being home brewers to kind of creating you know this this brewery that we were going to make and um, you know we thought we thought the name really stuck and and we really liked it so you know it, it became what we were.
1: I think it's excellent. So when you, when you were kind of, like, getting up and running, were there any other breweries that were helpful? Yeah. Uh, did any, any especially kind of, I mean, you're, you're a hop, skip, and a jump from, like, Insight, um, you know, there's, if you go that direction... It's, you run into a bunch of them who, who kind of like welcomed you to the neighborhood And, and was like you know if you realized Oh crap we we need grain <laughs> Hey do you have any extra Like who, who really kind of helped you along when you first opened
2: Yeah definitely I mean I think we got such a warm reception And one of the things about opening a brewery Is as you're starting to open a brewery The one thing you get a lot of is people bringing you beer So we had the most beer we've ever seen in our life And people were bringing us a lot of beer But obviously Insight being so close You know we spent a lot of planning days there Working on things um, Tom from Indeed Alexander from Dangerous Man we had a lot of people that just came by and were supportive and talked to us and and kind of really welcomed us to you know northeast Minneapolis and the greater you know brewing community so it's been great and you know we ca- we continue to see that the more breweries that open and in places you know we make friends we make acquaintances with with a lot of people and it, it's a really great community so I, I think that's a really awesome part about it.
3: Yeah when we uh, first were looking at northeast too going back to the building site some people said, well that's loaded with great breweries. What are you doing? Are you insane? Why are you doing that? And I'm like, hey, to be with some of these these other breweries is a, a complete honor, and uh, you know we understand that and we we love it as a family, and that's uh, how we look at the Northeast. Uh, so it's a great space to be.
1: Well, I think one one if you if you've been to, you know, and and now I would I would even lump the Twin Cities in, into the, an area where like people could travel here for beer. And really pack a lot in in not having to travel too far, so I would imagine that's one of the huge perks about this location is i you know when people come to visit they're like, "Where should I go? Everybody says northeast and you can you probably get a lot of people who are kind of doing brewery tours or like just like you know hopping around on a saturday um and you guys have a you, I you mean you guys are right on East hennepin, so as far as a as a traffic perspective that's pretty much a gold mine location yeah yeah in that regard yeah
2: definitely in, in being really close to 35w we get a lot of people that are kind of driving and you know this is a great entrance or exit point to northeast so as you're going around to try to find breweries you know you can find quite a few very close together and kind of make a day of it and um you know at the same time we feel like we kind of have our own little space here in northeast and uh we really like that that but you know at the same time it is great to have people that can come out and visit a lot of great breweries in the same area and, and us being a part of that list so
3: for a while there i wanted to put uh the traffic sign up for 35w so like whenever it's real busy like (laughs) you might as well just swing into head flyer for a few hours it's not a horrible idea
1: (laughs) either sit in traffic and be angry or do a few uh exactly 16 ounce curls at the bar and get get your workout in i like that so let's let's talk about the brew house um what size brew house do you have and and what's your capacity how many barrels did you guys brew in the last year
2: so we have a 15 barrel brew house um, from abe out of nebraska nate and i have a a pretty incredible story of driving out there and and brewery hopping the entire way and getting to go down there and check out their facility so that that was another great experience that we kind of had before all of this started um but we brewed about a thousand barrels this year um we have capacity to do more um as we get into you know uh more availability outside the tap room um trying to do more styles and make it more available I'm
3: curious to what Sean thinks of our uh, brew house since he's been working it pretty hard for six months.
0: What do you mean? Like, what I think, it's a great brew house. It's a good setup. It's big. Like, I don't know. There's uh, not much to think about it. When was your exact start date, Sean?
2: May 12th. Okay, We brewed Banffed on my first day. Double batch of our barrel-aged stout first day was that on purpose just to see okay let's see what the rookie can handle yeah he's either he's gonna either leave crying or he's gonna you know fit right in so I shoveled out a lot of grain that day
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so Sean you were you did the the brewing program at DCTC, DCTC right? yep. What, yep. well how was that experience for you
0: it's fantastic uh okay. Jeff Merriman is the professor down there I think we all know Jeff here and he's a great guy uh, super knowledgeable Um, one of those guys that he has been around the brew industry forever. Uh, He worked at Northern Brewer at the time. Um, He had helped open like Boom Island. I think he helped with Steel Toe a little bit. So he just had a ton of knowledge to give us uh, industry-wise. And then uh, we also had internships where we all got sent to a different brewery. Uh, I did my internship at another brewery, and they were fantastic as well. They taught me a lot. Uh, It was it was everything from like the history of beer through like a cicerone style program all the way through brewing in a brew house. You know, with your internship, like learning, learning a lot of cellar work, a lot of tons of cleaning because that's pretty much all, all that <laughs> brewing is. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a great program. It's it's a short program and,
1: it, and they cram a lot into it. So what? Because you, one thing you, all three of you have in common is you started. In a, in a different industry you know, and, and kind of yeah. like found your way to beer so Sean what, what did you do before you started brewing? I was a paralegal okay.
0: actually yeah I was a paralegal for a law firm out of state so I worked from home uh, miserably and then uh, when that brew program opened my wife and I had younger kids at the time so it was one of those things like can we really afford this and then I came home one day she's like I signed you up for that program by the way and I'm like oh Oh, okay. And nice. she's been, you know, without her, I don't think I would have ever gone through that and and been here at this point. And she's just been supportive and, and pushing all the way and doing whatever she can to kind of help me chase my dream down.
2: Yeah, we definitely wouldn't be here without supportive spouses. So yeah. let's, uh, let's yeah. make sure we that's, say that's right that's that. Usually, very that's usually a, com- a common,
1: common denominator. Now, we didn't ask I, – I, I should have asked about um, – Your your brewing background, Um, you guys started out at home brewing, did you do any formal training
2: yeah, so I did the American Brewers Guild program out of Vermont, uh, drop-in brewing, um, which was another, yeah, great experience, uh, opportunity to learn a lot of stuff and also go out there and get hands-on. Um, at the same time, for me, I think I was exposed to a lot of breweries and a lot of, you know, kind of that new, the Northeast style, you know, was really coming up at that time. So going out there and really experiencing that, visiting a lot of different places that really, I think, shaped a lot of the things that we wanted to do here at Headflyer.
1: Okay, that's, that's excellent. I, I think that, you know obviously passion is an important part of it but i you know you go to you go to breweries um sometimes it's it's pretty obvious that there was no formal training some people get lucky you mm. know some people just have a knack for it um when we're talking about the 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 training of the art of brewing what you know you said it's a lot of cleaning. I think there's a yep. there's a there's a romanticism around brewing. You know, they think about you know writing recipes or just you know standing there in the morning, looking in the mirror, you know, fluffing out your beard. <laughs> You're like, hey, it's gonna be a good day. I'm gonna.
3: I'm gonna be. Uh... Well, everybody wants to be a brewer until right. they have to do the work, <laughs> right? So, it, it, so does, it does sound like you're describing Neil pretty well, though.
2: <laughs> that's that's true. I mean, well, I've heard stories. We so. know that's not true because anytime anybody says, "Hey, this is gonna be a great day," and they don't knock on wood or stainless steel, it's not gonna be a great day. Your your brew house or something's gonna find a way to make your day a little bit challenging.
1: So so let's let's talk. What were some of the what were some of the growing pains? Or like you know, you guys you guys have been around now a couple of years, and and obviously the the tap rooms established. You know you have a good brand, uh, good beers. I should we should mention that I'm drinking. What what? what 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 what? Okay, so it's this is a now we're we're recording this on Wednesday. Yep. Gonna edit it, so it'll be it'll be on tap by the time you hear this. But yep, we're getting a little sneak
2: peek. Yeah, so absolutely. Is- we're gonna put this on tap uh, tomorrow officially, um, and this is a, a really popular beer we made last year, a featuring Galaxy and Vic Secret hops. Um, and we're yeah, we're really excited to have it back on tap, have another opportunity to brew with those those kind of exclusive, hard to get hops. Um, but Vic Secret's one of my favorites, and um, I think this one really hits, and, and it kind of speaks to a lot of the things that we've learned over the last year because we're continued continue to kind of evolve our craft and evolve um, our techniques in order to get kind of the greatest beer that we can create and um, I think this one is another example I think our Wakatu that we did last uh, batch was also you know kind of a great one that when we can get hops like Nelson and Galaxy and some of those I think um, those are really fun to play with and kind of make you know some unique styles.
1: I think this beer has if, if it for me it's got a lot of nice aromatic Nature, uh, very fruity, juicy. It's almost like kind of pineapple at first, little sweetness, but then you get that little, and what I really appreciate, that kind of pithy, almost like you yeah. bit into the peel, little bitterness, just just to balance it out. And it's really smooth. Um, it's just very well well balanced. And I think that right now with a lot of IPAs, hoppy beers. And I would say malty beers, too. You know, the, the, the biggest area where a brewery can miss is that they don't think about balance. You know, right. I want to when I go out drinking, I don't want to just be a one and done. I want to sit down. I want to have a bunch of them. I want to have a conversation and I want to be able to, like, relax. And I could drink this beer all night long. So this is fantabulous. So what what? How, what's the ABV on this beer? In case I do decide to try to drink them all night long, Sean. Right? Yeah, it's a six point three
0: percent ABV on this, so you can have a couple. Okay. To be safe, especially if you're doing the, the ten
1: ounce pours. All right. Perfect. Excellent. Well, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. Um, Distribution. Uh, I know you guys you guys have a very busy tap room. Are
2: you guys on tap? Do you distribute at all? Yep. Yeah, we've really started to just kind of get into that recently. Um, we're, we're doing a few bars and restaurants. We're available at the airport. Uh, we had a few beers at CHS Field this year um, and really uh, starting to get into some canning. Um, we have uh, some cans coming out. Um, we, just, we just are about to can our vanilla bean porter for the first time. Um, and you can find uh, our cans at various liquor stores.
3: I actually just uh, had an exciting moment coming from Top Golf. So we're putting our Hawaiian Sophie there, and I think it's going to knock it out of the park as a golfing style beer. I
2: don't think that's a golf reference.
3: This is Maddie Atlantic from Ring General Radio, and you
2: are listening to a one pint stand right here on the 4D Podcast Network.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying a one-pint stand. Our aim is to help spread the word of the amazing thing we call craft beer. Enjoying fantastic beer is a passion of ours, and we love chatting about it with other people. A one-pint stand has a goal of helping breweries tell their stories with us, so we attempt to cover all things beer, both local and regional. If you like what you hear and you want to follow us on social media, just search up a one-pint stand, and you can find our Facebook page, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love more followers, so add us on any and all social platforms. We're trying to broaden our audience, and so if you like the show, tell a friend. Or better yet, give us a review on iTunes to help make it easier for other craft beer geeks to find us. Lastly, we're being brought to you by the fine folks at the 4D Podcast Network. Give their Facebook page a like and check out some of the other great shows that are on the network like Ring General Radio, Twins and Losses, and Culture Cast. Those are just a few of many. They literally have something for everybody. I'm thankful that you're taking time to listen to our podcast and celebrate this wonderful thing we call craft beer. Now, back to the show. So, <laughs> we uh, I want to ask you, you know, so we're... we're we're, we're January fifteenth. Okay, two weeks into the new year. As as you guys look back, so you guys, you guys know the local scene fairly well. I thought it would be kind of fun to have a little discussion on kind of like you know what's the what's the state of Minnesota craft beer as as we are into twenty um, twenty. Twenty nineteen was an interesting year for craft beer uh, from a regional standpoint. Uh, you had a fairly significant merger between Sam Adams and Dogfish Head and to kind of round out the year you had the sale of New Belgium and I I think that those are the three biggest craft breweries making some noise so you know you said you brewed about a thousand barrels in the past year you guys are fairly I would say as far as Minnesota breweries are concerned that's toward the lower end kind of medium low um what are the challenges what are the challenges that you face compared to somebody who's maybe brewing like 25,000 barrels
2: yeah I think I think in as you go from different sizes I think the challenges are the decision to get smaller or get bigger Uh, for us it was really like do we focus just on the tap room Um, really not try to overbrew and just strictly focus on the tap room and then the next step from that is you start to get into distribution Um, and then you got to really find that sweet spot you have to keep up with the demand not only of your tap room but also of your external customers and you got to make sure that they're always stocked with the beers that they want Um, so i think those are really the challenges at our side it's it's where do you where do you focus your attention you know where do you go who how do you get your beer out there um, and for us, it's it's kind of figuring out what that sweet spot is. Some of it comes down to the capacity of the brewery. Um, for us, we have more capacity. We can continue to do that without expanding. I mean, ultimately, our goal is to brew as much beer as we can in this location. We don't want to go somewhere else. We don't necessarily want to have another facility anywhere. So we want to maximize what we have here. And in, uh, in order to do that, we we sell some here. We sell the majority in our tap room, but we have the opportunity to sell more outside the tap room as well.
3: Yeah, I, I to go along with that too is like the the taproom focus was to hone our, hone our craft. We didn't want to go to market outside before we felt really confident about everything we were delivering, and we, you know, we're honest people. We got better and better. Uh, we started off really hot, and I think uh, we've only you know added on to that. So uh, you know, continue that pattern. The risk now is the market's a little more saturated, so now we're um, competing in, uh, but now we're coming with a name behind it, and uh, I think that's a, a great space to be.
2: Yeah, and one of the things about, you know, the tap room, you really sell your tap room as part of the experience. And and for us it was, you know, we really wanted to create a, a great tap room and a great space that people could come drink. But when you sell at a liquor store or sell at another bar or restaurant, you're really dependent on them selling your product and also competing based on your branding or your design um, and, and really finding a way to get people to to try your beer if they've never had you before. You know, when they're drinking twenty taps at a beer bar. Um, part of that is is your branding and your marketing and, and your name to get out there. So, um, we really felt that we were at a good spot right now where we feel like we're putting out some really great beer and we have we have a really cool brand that has some uniqueness to it. Um, so we're hoping this is really kind of the sweet spot for us and the right time to do this.
1: Do you guys have a a beer philosophy? Um, I know that you know every time I've come in, I've seen several hoppy offerings. Would you would you categorize yourself as like kind of like IPA focused and then there's some other things I mean You'll also I don't have know if I'd vamped, say that. Like which is This bamf <laughs> beer is, is amazing Yeah I think um, for us
2: It was really Trying to come up With a wide variety Of things We want to have a beer For everybody who comes in I think if you talk To Nate and I um, our, We really gravitate To the hoppy beer So we we focus on that That's what we really Like to drink ourselves But you know Being in a tap room We, we understand that We have to make beers For everybody who comes in here We're not making beers Strictly for ourselves Or making sure that You know We wouldn't be happy And our customers Wouldn't be happy If I'm just making All my favorite beers So we're trying to definitely expand our palate we have light beers um, we have dark beers and and you know nate said we're, we're both kind of into bourbon and whiskey as well so you know uh playing with barrels is is pretty awesome as well so
3: yeah and i, I typically am kind of a mood drinker too as far as uh, beers so um i'll gravitate to almost every style and one of the thing is the things was to have uh, some, like we keep saying, something for everybody. But we have a kettle sour program that we're we're moving, so we always have Radiant Baby on tap. But then we we dabble with other ones. We've had some success, and you know you'll see a lot of baby themed stuff with that style. Uh, you'll get into the hazies, and that's kind of our hip hop stuff. And uh, we definitely have a porter that people really go to. So it's kind of have that dark, have that. Uh, rich, the barrel aged, have the hazies, and we've got the loggers on too. And we're really moving uh, towards loggers now too. So we have a Vienna, uh, stranger in the Alps that uh, is getting. You know, our logger program is getting better and better. So that's good too. So as we look back on 2019,
1: uh, one thing I noticed when I was traveling around Colorado that I didn't notice in the past, and Colorado's a, a for for beer and just. Overall enjoyment of life, um, a great place to go, but definitely uh, a bucket list location if you're into beer. And one thing I noticed this summer that uh, most of the tap rooms that I went into had three or four lagers on, and that was not something that I ever experienced in the past. And I noticed it around here too. So you're talking about uh, being a Vienna lager uh, and, and a lager program getting off the off the ground. Do you see? Uh, lo- the the
2: the readily available loggers being something that's going to stick around in 2020. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think in 2019, we saw that start to pick up and people starting to brew more and more lagers. I think the good thing about a lager is it can speak to a lot of people who maybe aren't super into craft beer and are kind of just getting into it because it's a lighter beer, it's easy to drink, it's accessible, but also um, people who are really into beer because that really speaks to the quality of the brewery and, and their ability to make beer that there's no ability to hide flaws. So um, if you can make a really good lager, um, you can sell to people who don't necessarily love craft beer or are just getting into it, but you can also sell to those people that, that are really serious about it because it really speaks to your ability to make good beer in general
1: well and i think you know um one of the other big trends of 2019 that i think is going to stick around in 2020 was hard seltzers um and lower calorie options for because and, and that's and that's one thing and and i don't i don't think a lot of people say like well we have to have something for females to drink, which is total bullshit. I wanna, I want to I want to kind of de- we do Bamped. debunked right exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um I want to kind of debunk that idea that women only drink light beers or something that you need to put an orange into or something like that. I think that's very demeaning and and so like, you know, for a lot of breweries to have low cal options for everyone you know some people like to like to watch their liquid caloric intake present company excluded I, well, we're,
2: we're all very svelte I'm, so.
1: I'm not uh, yeah exactly I, nobody nobody's gonna worry about me uh needing to eat a sandwich anytime soon so you know but it's it's nice for people who are kind of like wanting to limit their caloric intake um to have those options, do you have you guys thought about hard seltzers? Do you guys have a hard seltzer? We, or? we
2: haven't done a hard seltzer, but we are, we are definitely thinking in that area. We're trying to come up with gluten friendly, low cal. Um, even NA options look like they're they're going to be very popular and I think that really speaks to you know our desire to be able to have something for anybody who comes in here it's not really about who you are or what you represent it's what what do you want to taste what do you want to drink today Um, and how we can get people that say hey I'm going to come in here and kind of enjoy the aspect of of being in the tap room and I'm going to find something that really speaks to me and even if it comes down to it hey we have craft soda Um, And we want to just make something that when people come in here, they feel comfortable that they can participate in kind of the social activities of a tap room. And um, we're kind of speaking to them as well. I think from a business standpoint, it's not so much that that you're looking at the tap room and that you're seeing
0: like women aren't drinking or men aren't drinking um, beer. Like gender wise, it's the people that have water. It's like, what would they drink in place of water? Like what can we sell them? Right. Like I said, a seltzer is it a like a hard cider or a, a graph something like that um, anything that you can that
2: like i said from a business standpoint you can sell them mhm yep and i think you have a, you a lot of times you'll have a group of people that will come in and you know if you if you're with a group of you know six people or so you'll you'll probably find someone who's not into craft beer you might have one person who's really into craft beer and you got to find that balance so that everybody in a group of people can you know find something that they that they like that they want to do and yeah we're trying to get people into the tap room so we try to speak to those and we try to brew what people want in order to do that Mm
3: -hmm. you got to be careful what you talk about with the the seltzers thing because sean has a story about white claw that you might want to share with us i don't have a story you guys have the story of the white claw i didn't even know about it
1: was this one of those things that uh, happened after somebody said there's no laws, drinking clause, and <laughs> I, you woke up the next day in the middle if of If it a- was, it was behind my back. It was
0: before <laughs> I worked here. Ah, we came okay. in on my 40th birthday last winter.
1: Oh. I th- <laughs> you know I, the story? Well, I think I, I've either heard it or I, no, I saw you like the next day. I think that was
2: I it. Probably. He was probably in really good shape after that. But, yeah, we like to give him a hard time. He's our official seltzer taster.
1: Was that uh, the night of Andy Gillen's birthday?
2: Same night. Yes.
1: Yep. I, so saw I saw you, you, I saw you that at yep. Blackstack. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Yes. You you would look like you had had a cocktail on. or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only turned 40 once, so that's a perfect reason right. to go out and Thankfully. get a little ham-boned. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's what it. Yeah, I, I remembered that. Yeah. Well, so, somebody in my party was...
0: Drinking White Claws without my knowledge. And then they happen to leave their evidence stomped under this table that we're sitting at right now, (laughs) actually. So my first day on the
1: job, I walk in and they handed me a White Claw. Ah, My very first day. Uh, Talk about an initiation. Yeah. The double batch of Banffed and... I drank that White Claw, too. Well, yeah, I mean... Of course. Waste not, want not. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. So um, is there... Is there any beer style that uh, that you haven't brewed that you really want to give a try, or you know maybe maybe you brewed it once you're like you know I really want to do that again make make a tweak to it or or maybe try this different malt or something like that you know I'd imagine a lot of a lot of the fun of being at a brewery is like seeing something come off really well and then you're like okay
0: Put can your we make it. it better or right. what can yeah. we do what can yeah, we play
2: yeah. with. Well, and one of my favorites for forever since uh, the old town hall days, uh, back again when I was in college and consuming craft beer, uh, was scotch ale. Love, love a scotch ale. And um, so we've dabbled in that. We actually did just brew another one, and we have that on tap our Scotchy Scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites another one that we that we brewed a couple times at on a small batch scale and we actually have sitting in some uh, jake harvard gin barrels right now is a, a lavender goza and i think uh, gozas is a style that really speaks to me as a minnesotan and my desire to put salt on everything um so the kind of that salty briny flavor of goza just really hits and you know that's i don't think that would be my traditional area of favorite style but something about a goza really resonates with me and uh, we're really excited to have that one coming out um soon Okay. How about you, Sean?
0: I was actually going to say the goza. Goza, in my opinion, is one of the most uh, under underappreciated styles. Like people don't talk about them enough. I, the sour, the the kind of has the the sex appeal of the of the sours, but the goza really comes at you and, and it's more balanced. It's not it's tart, but it also has that salty balance to it and the the creaminess that the salt creates. Um, other than that, uh, I'm a logger
2: guy. These guys know. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do my loggers. I love loggers as long as you put some hops in them. Right. <laughs> That's always the joke. Sean wants to do traditional German loggers, and I think how we can double dry hop it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there's. I think there's probably room for both
3: styles, That's really. Right. Both, the both. hazy kinds. hellas. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. How about you?
3: So I think uh, with me, I'm kind of more of the non-traditionalist when it comes to ideas. So usually uh, 5% of my ideas make it through, but it would involve... Hops or some type of flavor profile nobody's. Stop ever trying seen. to put roast beef in the beer. <laughs> Butter, <laughs> butterscotch. Yeah. There's always a room for a good Reuben.
1: So speaking of roast beef in the beer, there's a brewery out of Traverse City, Michigan called Right Brain Brewing. Okay. They put the head of a mangalitsa pig in their in the boil of their porter. I'm sure the TTB did not hear about that. And it is delicious. It's like. It's, like, smoky and just, like... They said it creates quite a mess, but they also put... They have uh, shut your pie hole. They put entire cherry pies in the boil of the beer. So I'm saying, if people have told you that you can't put roast beef in beer, I'm telling you, where
2: there's a will, there's a way. I think (laughs) we would do more of that, but none of us can fit into the boil kettle to really scour it and clean it, so uh, there's a little bit of danger there. I'm, I'm thinking... Okay,
1: we're just spitballing here Coming up with ideas on the fly The Reuben Rye Reuben for St. Paddy's Day Oh yeah. yeah, everybody has a red ale Oh yeah, okay. we talked about you that You want to stand out in I'm the... saying no to kraut, that's for sure <laughs> You can do a kraut chaser oh, that'd Yeah, be, I can... oh, that'd be great That would
3: actually be really interesting So. Well, stay tuned for Ludafisk beer Because it's coming
1: <laughs> So you know, Nate, I wanna talk about some of your wacky ideas here because I know there was a day was it about maybe a year or so ago? A year and change when it was for one of your anniversary parties and you you you, you recreated a very famous album cover through some magic of
2: Photoshop or what? But basically, all was- practical effects, really. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I, I want to clarify: there's no Photoshop going on. There's okay. We we do the real deal.
1: So that was the. So it was the n- Nirvana. Smells like Teen Spirit. Yep, he's, then- n- he's not allowed at that
3: pool anymore. <laughs> There's a local middle school where they're no longer allowed. Oh boy! <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I think that's it's a big part of Dan's ours. Middle school. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be awesome. No wonder um, the pool is shut you, down for weeks. You know, <laughs> as you as you look at it, a lot of our beer names, a lot of the stuff that we're about. You know, music is huge to it. Movies are huge. So, you know, we we speak to a lot of things that we've loved as as we were younger and the things we're really into. Um, and Nate's ability to recreate some of our favorite album covers is is pretty special. And and his willingness to uh, to do that and get out there, um, we're really excited. You know, obviously our third year anniversary is coming up soon in April here, and um, I think this cover is probably going to blow the other two away. Um, and we're really excited about what's going to come with that one. So stay tuned for that.
1: Okay, I, I, I mean, I don't know how it can get better than the Nirvana one, but I now I'm now I'm
2: my, our my third belief.
0: anniversary is is incredible.
2: I don't know You're, if better is the right term for it, but it will <laughs> definitely it will definitely, oh, it will definitely be exciting.
1: Okay, um, so I want to ask. So we have, so we 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 made the transition from a bright, juicy, hoppy beer, and now we got something. Oh, you know what this dark, is? Dark. You've been talking about it all night. Something velvety. Something you got to use your Barry White voice for. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this is the Bamfed barrel aged. M.F. Diesel. M.F. Diesel. Tell me about how this beer came to be, because I think it's fantastic.
2: Well, as we said, you know, we're really into bourbon, and, and barrels was, was something we absolutely wanted to get into. So our very first year, we did an a Imperial Stout that we called Diesel, um, and then we happened to get our hands on some Knob Creek single barrels, um, and we decided to do a barrel-aged version that we called M.F. Diesel. Um, the MF stands for Mad Flavors, Minneapolis's finest, or maybe some other term you could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's kind of how the name came to be. Once we added the barrels, we added the BA again, barrel aged, badass. There's a lot of ways you could do it, and a lot of ways you can do the, with that acronym.
1: I, I think, you know, in in a world where everybody wants to stand out, everybody wants, to, and everybody wants to have a barrel aged stop. There's a lot of misses. What I like about this beer is that it is balanced. It's got a great aroma. You get kind of like that dark fruit, molasses, smooth. But there, you, you, know it's, you know it's spent time in a barrel. Like, this is a yeah. very, very, yeah. very well-done beer. Um, and I've actually recommended this to people. I'm like, if you, if you have not been over to Head Flyer, they've got this beer right on if you're a barrel aged stout fan this is really good um has the reception to this beer been and and you guys had a couple different variants of it did you not you did a coconut and a vanilla
2: yeah for for the first time this year we actually uh bottled some and made it available and did the two variations uh we used fresh vanilla beans a lot of fresh vanilla beans into a barrel and we did a coconut version. We we love doing coconut beers. That's maybe not one of Nate's crazier ideas, but he does a great job um adding the toasted coconut to beers and I think it just adds a great flavor. So um that's one of the things that, you know, as we started the first year, it's we did some barrel age. Uh then the next year we did more barrel age and in this year we, we were able to do some variations and, and have uh plenty of supply for the tap room and I think that's another thing that we're thinking about already. What are we gonna do next year? Um, for to to make it even better because we're we're the same way we love barrel aged beers, um, and we want to continue to expand it and just you know knock it out. Yeah, I, I mean I I really 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 enjoy
1: this beer. Um, I do a top thirty um, beers, top thirty Minnesota beers every year. Um, I think you guys should stay tuned for that article. You might you might see this on there. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's on there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's really exciting. So, uh, you know, Minnesota craft beer, uh, we're, in, we're into 2020. Um, there's a lot to celebrate, but there's a lot of things to improve. I know that, um, you know, there, every year there's, there's issues. And, you know, one of the big things that happened last year was, like, you know, this talk about the, the, the growler cap. You know, um, Castle Danger can no longer sell growlers because, for I guess, for lack of a better thing, th- their they business was too good. They, they were, sell too much cream ale. They t- sell too much cream ale. Um, they're obviously uh, fairly large, and you know they get they get a lot of they get a lot of growler traffic. People traveling um, for you guys, being where you are, your size is there is there a law or something that that you would like to see change that would really allow you to grow from a business perspective?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, and I I think it would even speak to the castle dangers of the world, you know, as you talk about not being able to sell growlers, people being able to come into our taproom and buy four packs. Um, You know, I was recently in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, a very popular beer that makes Um, A lot of great styles, similar to some of the things that we do, and um, I just one of the things that really resonated with me is just how many people were coming in there to buy cases of of four packs and and to be able to sell the beer as fresh as you can get it right out of our cooler here. So I think that's the big thing that we're we're talking about and we're we're trying to push for. And I think a lot of other breweries of our size, bigger, smaller, um, I think that's the one thing that pretty much everybody can get on board with is our ability to um, sell beer from our tap room and get people to come here and be part of the experience and. Um, you know we're going to continue to talk about that and continue to push for it at this point
1: what's what's the hold up what would the, what's the counter argument to to being able to do that what would somebody on the other side of the of the argument, say, I was like, well, here's why that isn't a great idea. What's, what's holding it up?
2: Well, I think the thought is it puts us in competition with some of the people that we work with on a regular basis, which are liquor stores, bars and restaurants, and, and places that sell our product. And um, I guess my argument to that would be, like, we're, we're obviously very dependent on liquor stores. If we're going to sell cans, um, there's not a lot of people who are going to come to a brewery just to buy a 12-pack and go home, you know? So that, that's that's my argument. People are going to continue to go to liquor stores. They're going to go you know, buy a bottle of Tattersall whiskey. They're going to buy a four-pack of local beer. And then they're gonna go home. They're not gonna come here to do that. So I think in a lot of ways, you know, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of ways that we can maybe spread that message that it isn't about competition. We're not gonna be taking away from the liquor stores. That's just gonna enhance our ability to make more things in cans, make more ability to to have things available to the liquor stores because we'll be more canning more frequently and more willing to can a lot of the styles that maybe we just have as taproom exclusives today.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think that's some of the some of the pushback might from the liquor stores and, and third party sales people might be that breweries want to sell in house and then they're going to pull their product from my store it's not true like we're not going to pull our product from Andover because we're selling in here because
2: we're still going to be able to sell to those people out in Andover and places like that yeah, and I think that gives us the ability to reach a lot of people in different places. So we're going to continue to be very you know, close partners with those liquor stores because they not only sell our product and their vendors for us, but at the same time, I think they give us the ability to reach people that we maybe wouldn't. We see a lot of partnerships when we go to places like that, and they're, they're, they're talking for us. They're selling for us, and I think that's probably one of the things that we need to get past is how can we be better partners and how can we work more together to make that work and to make everybody happy in that situation.
1: So what do you guys uh, I know that when I was here um, around the in, for the Oktoberfest you guys had a really fun Oktoberfest event with some axe throwing and some great beers on tap. Um, you guys did a collaboration with Giesenberg. You've got, you guys have done a couple different things and I know that from following, you know, some of you guys on social media, I know you were doing the speedo run down there uh, <laughs> down there in New Prague. Yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, Nobody got arrested. <laughs> Hope you, hopefully you stayed on the track. Yeah. No frostbite didn't, either. Didn't find yourselves in any uh, middle school pools. But um, <laughs> how, did, how did that relationship uh, with Giesenbroi uh, come to be?
3: Yeah, so um, yeah, I happened to go down there for uh, visiting a friend, and I stopped in, and they actually recognized us through our social media platform. And Tom, who... Uh, was there uh, reminded me of a good friend of mine. He's like super funny, but really sarcastic about it, and super
1: dry sense super dry sense of humor. Yeah.
3: Sense of humor. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, seven foot eight. He's, <laughs> he's ridiculously tall.
2: Yeah, we wanted to be careful in case we started a brewery basketball team and we were going to recruit him.
3: <laughs> and uh, so, like, you know, we started a relationship with them, and uh, super fun people and. Uh, they have a Hellas that was really, really good and really known, and as like that's a great partner of ours. So uh, something to add to our profile. And Sean gets mad because he like basically brewed the beer, but we give Tom all the credit from Geese and, and so he still resents every time I say, "Oh, Tom's recipe." Well, I still I made the recipe too. I didn't just brew it. I mean, we did stand around a, and a drink and point at things. I don't like it when mommy
1: and daddy fight. Find-
3: <laughs> Well, you talk about some of the laws too, and we talked about the canning portion of it, like, one of the things is we do love to collaborate and some of the guest tap laws, like if we could start opening that up a little bit. So true collaborations can be done more simply. I mean, the reality is is you know we got to go brew there, we got to brew here and it's still fun and it works, but I think some of the rules can change in that front as well.
2: Yeah, I think we definitely see more of that, and um, people would be more willing to do that if we if we could kind of exchange and we could share beer and have have a collaboration that we would be able to do at both. So right now, some of the logistics make it challenging, and and kind of that commitment to you know doing a home and home, you're you're playing a series like you're a college you know hockey team or college football team or something.
1: I think I, I mean I I could not agree more. I know a, a number of years ago. Uh, New Belgium and Indeed did a collaboration and and it was so weird because you could not get like they only could have it in the tap room and then they got to do it over there and just like I don't know it's just one of those things that again gets back to like what's the what's the real reason why this can't go like what is it going to harm
2: yeah that one I I really I, I can't find much of a downside for that one I mean one of the things is we're not you know, we're not going to just put a bunch of different people's beer on in our tap room. So one of the things that, as we've talked about that, you know, maybe our ability to have, um, like, a, a heart seltzer or a cider beer, some of those uh, opportunities might be there. But I think for us it's really just, hey, let's make collaborations more frequent and, and more uh, beneficial for both parties.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you've got an anniversary party coming up in April. Um, are you – are there going to be some – special anniversary beers in the works for that. Uh, anything you are at liberty to talk about or anything you you guys else have uh, coming down the road? I know there's probably going to be a wacky photo shoot involving some... Uh, so, some moose for the beard, and maybe a, maybe a merkin. I don't know. Tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me more about what future things that people can look forward to here at Head Flyer.
2: Yeah, I think that's what we try to we try to always do with our anniversary parties. Is really try to come up with some really exciting beers and things that we're really passionate about. Um, and, and we like to kind of theme them along, uh, along with, you know, kind of our inspiration, which is our album cover, and, um, you know, going going back to our first anniversary when we did the Biggie um, Ready to Die album cover, and, and it just, it was it, it was a super big hit, and we, we came up with that again after having a couple beers one day, and we were like, you know what would be really great is to have a baby, and have a baby celebrating its birthday, and then somehow it became Nate was the baby, um, and, you know, that, it just you know that's the fun part about this you know it's it's great to make beer it's great to drink beer but you can kind of just say, sit around hang out with your friends and, and come up with crazy wacky ideas on how to market it so i think that's a big one we're gonna we we have a really great idea um you probably you probably will recognize it when when it happens um because it might have come from a conversation we had while you were hanging around um so i i think
1: i think i might know what you're talking about
2: okay <laughs> So, um, and then what we do there is, you know, we kind of take that, and then we try to um, theme some of the beers based on that. And I think for us this year, three is a great number. Um, so we'll probably do something that's kind of speaks to our style again. Do something uh, uh, triple dry hopped hazy IPA to get the number three in there. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, our barrel aged um, lavender goza is going to be featured um, for sure, and that you know we're really excited about that because you know as, as Sean and. And I said, you know, that's a style that I think is really underrated and underappreciated. But um, we're really excited about it, and you know, working with Jake Harver and, and their their gin is outstanding. Their barrel edge gin, so to get a chance to put some beer in those barrels was um, pretty exciting for us. Yeah, well, um, I cannot say enough good things about
1: uh, what you guys have going on here, and just in our conversation and, and at times we've 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 kind of met up and uh, ran into each other out there in the beer world. I can tell. Uh, you guys are having a lot of fun, and I think that at the end of the day, why would you go through all the cleaning and, and the work and and the, and the, the sweats sweat um, if you weren't having fun? So, how many? G- yeah, give yeah. the give our seven viewers our <laughs> all seven of you listeners dialed into a one point stand. Um, give us your hours schedule um, and 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 why they should come down to Head Flyer if they haven't. Uh, we're we'll open we're open seven days a week um we have a lot of thank fun. you can i just say thank you because <laughs> when somebody comes in from out of town or they want to meet on a monday oh yeah we love there are people not coming that on many mondays. places where i can come grab a beer sometimes you get a case of the mondays you need you need a bamf you need to yeah, you know yeah. fire it up get the week started right
2: Yeah, so, yeah, we're definitely about that, and and Monday's a day that we're, you know, we're here quite a bit because, you know, it is a quieter day. We get a chance to meet. We get a chance to get our staff to get together and meet, so... Um, it's natural for us to be open, and you know we're happy to have anybody who's willing to come in and interested in coming in on those days. Um, we're here Wednesday, obviously. You can start here maybe get a little rowdier in the podcast. We might have to drop out the background noise a little bit. This is our uh, trivia night. It's very popular. Fabulous. Um, we've, we've had going on for a long time, so we get a pretty good crowd for that, and it's a pretty exciting game. Um and you know, we, yeah, we have the weekends going on. Saturday, you know, we're open. At, we're open at noon to midnight, so we we have a lot of a lot of opportunities for you to come out and visit the tap room.
3: Fantastic. Yeah, most nights it's it's three to ten is uh, during the week, and uh, like Neil said, noon to midnight on Saturday and until uh, nine on Sundays. So
2: yeah, but unfortunately, we won't be watching any more Vikings games on Sundays. But uh, last week was was a lot of fun, and, and unfortunately, just didn't go our way. So.
1: Well, I don't know if you heard, the Twins signed Josh Donaldson. So I did not hear th- that. There, that's there pretty be exciting.
0: it's a great signing. Hey, 20, he's thirty four, but and they gave him a ton of money.
1: Yeah, although
0: not my he, money. He
1: wanted more. So yeah. four years, ninety two million. I mean, it's not my plus, money. plus. You can't
0: so. argue with snow moving to first.
2: Right. Exactly. That's he's so like, silky smooth out there. Well, <laughs> and, and that's another thing. Like we have a, we have a huge hundred twenty inch projector that yeah. you can come out and watch the game, and we we you know. We like to watch local sports is our number one. So as we talk about what's going to be on TV here, um, we'll have Twins on. We have Vikings on. We like to, you know, we like to watch sports and make it a place where people can kind of come and hang out. Another great thing about it is our our TV is kind of on one side of the tap room, so you know you can have a lot of people that come in and they're 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 here to watch the game, but there's plenty of space where you can come and say, hey, I'm here not to watch the game. I just want to come and talk to some friends. Um, we have a lot of balance, you know, it, all in the same space and kind of a part of the same atmosphere, but um, you don't have to or. You know, if you want to do something else, there's there's definitely space for that.
1: And I was just going to say, I mean, there's a lot of breweries that do not have TVs, uh, and that's very much on purpose because they want people to focus on conversation. I love that you guys have enough space here where you can have the game going on over there and just, like, having a, you know, conversation over here. But I love having that option because sometimes I want to watch a game, but I just don't want to go to a bar. I mean, there's, there's there's a big difference between a bar in a tap room the the there's so many dynamics that's a whole well, other podcast well like
0: well, like neil was saying uh, about that is the balance of you can come in here you can watch the game or you can come in here stay outside, and you can talk and, and this brewery that i've been here eight months something like that and i've learned that a lot of the brewery concept is balanced our beers are balanced our menu is balanced people might say like you have Three IPAs on, or something like that. Yeah, but we have sour, we have lager, we have porter. You know, we have a wheat ale. So we have low ABV stuff. We have higher ABV. We have Bamped on tap right now. So it's, it's just a whole lot of balance in this brewery in general. And, and he was saying that, that we balance the modern, and you were even mentioning we balance the modern with the industrial look a little bit. So it, it's all just kind of it's kind of a theme here.
1: I mean i'm i'm not i'm not saying that you should try to do this but i mean if if one wanted to they could literally spend the whole day at this complex because you got five watt two yep. doors down or next door do you share a wall with five watt yep yep okay so you start there in the morning get your caffeine fix you know pop over here noon on a saturday you got the wood fired pizza food truck right now. I'm sure you guys have other food trucks. Yep, yep. Just eventually you're gonna get to the point where you wanna just have your mail forwarded to Head Flyer. Well, yeah. you can, it's a one-stop shop. That's what I'm saying. And we
0: get a lot of people that uh, we have an escape room in this building, too. So a lot of people will come here before they do their escape room, and they'll have a couple beers, and then they'll, after after they've had a couple beers, attempt to escape from a from a room, and, and we'll see how many beers they've had at that point.
2: Yeah, your, your skills definitely diminish after a few, so maybe... Maybe do this escape room first and then come to Head Flyer for a few beers.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what, guys. You give me four more of these, and we can turn that corner of the bar into an escape room. (laughs) I'll just try to
2: (laughs) find my way to the exit. Yeah, (laughs) a couple more of these, and there's no way we're getting out. (laughs) Great. Well,
1: I just want to thank you guys so much. I know that you guys are so busy, have a lot going on, and I really appreciate you guys taking time to sit down and talk beer. Um, I love what you guys are doing here. Um, Just keep up the good work, and this, bam, I'm going to. I need to go have a moment with it by myself. For sure, you know, any by any the time. fire, right? Gonna, do you guys have any glossy posters of, of the of the Nirvana album I can take over? We actually have
2: a gigantic poster of the Nirvana album that's about six feet by six feet. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. That needs um, to be up somewhere. <laughs> what Nate? Nate chose not to bring it home to his house and put it up so uh, maybe this year we'll get a repaint. That would be a, a real game changer cover.
1: if it was on the
3: ceiling in the bedroom. And the too. wife gets the real deal at home. So.
1: <laughs> 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 Alright well thank you so much again this has been uh, an episode of a one pint stand so for Nate, Sean and Neil at Headflyer my name is Dan Bobian and this has been a podcast. I got to finish the rest of this Banffed and uh, it's going to be a good night appreciate it cheers guys thank you cheers Cheers. thank you well that didn't sound like fun i don't know what does uh just great great time sitting down telling stories listening to stories with those guys i can't thank nate neil and sean from head flyer brewing enough for having me down there uh sharing some stories and sharing some beers that was a a really fun time so if you haven't been into the tap room lately give it a try Uh, if you haven't been there at all what are you waiting for they got great beers on. If you like hoppy beers, if you like malty beers, and anything and everything in between, go there. Give it a try. Very spacious, very, very wonderful tap room and a great location too. Perfect, uh, perfect launch launching point for a, a northeast brewery tour, or just place to hunker down and watch the game or play some board games. So uh, that brings us to a close of another episode of a One Pint Stand. Remember. Keep your eyes tuned to social media. You can uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All you have to do is search up a one-pint stand. And we're always looking for a nice iTunes review to get us higher up in the queue for all those beer geeks looking for more beer podcasts. We want to be able to make it easy for people to find us and... uh, you know, we, we we would always like to grow our audience. So if you if you know somebody who listens to Craft Beer Podcast, give them a give them a give us a shout out. We'd love to hear uh, we'd love to hear what they think about what we do. Um, so if you want to have us come on out to your brewery and talk beer, give us the lowdown on your story. Don't uh, hesitate to contact us. Just message message us on Facebook or DM us on Twitter, and we can make that happen. So um, I want to thank you for listening. I want to wish you a happy 2020. I'm excited to see what this year will bring for Minnesota beer. Uh, the, The breweries just keep popping up, and I'm excited to visit more of them. So this has been another episode of A One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast where the pants stay on, but the caps come off. Prost. Can, it's a one-stop shop. That's what I'm saying. And
0: we get a lot of people that... Uh, we have an escape room in this building, too. So a lot of people will come here before they do their escape room, and they'll have a couple beers, and then they'll, after after they've had a couple beers, attempt to escape from a from a room, and and we'll see how many beers they've had at that point.
2: Yeah, your, your skills definitely diminish after a few, so maybe... Maybe do the escape room first and then come to Head for a few beers.
1: I'll tell you what, guys. You give me four more of these, and we can turn that corner of the bar into an escape room. <laughs> I'll just try to find my way to the exit. Yeah, a couple
2: more of these, and there's no way we're getting out. Right. <laughs>